are back. Welcome back to the Flat Out RC podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew Sill coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. You wonder why I do that whole spiel? Well, now you know who I am. Just being polite. You know where I am, where I live. So you can put things in context. So there you go. What an episode we've got for you today. Uh, we've got Stevie Melkman joining us. Uh, Stevie is part of the IMAX scale aerobatics movement here in Australia. And we've got the upcoming national championships happening. And so I thought I'd get him, get him in to have a chat. They're coming up this weekend. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to the Stevie interview, let's take a look at what's been happening around the traps. If you're a fan of going to model flying events, well, you're in luck. And if you live in Australia as well, because there's so many events happening between now and the end of the year. And I'm going to give a few a plug uh, and I'm going to go quite quickly because I've got four or five different events to talk about. Uh, Warbirds over Bansdale event, 4th and 5th of November. Long weekend. We'll call it the Melbourne Cup weekend down here in Victoria at the Bansdale Club. Uh, bring your Warbirds. Um, there's... It, there's a bit of a fun competition part to it, you know, pilot's choice for biplanes, monoprop and other military. You know, if you've got turbine jets that are military jets, if you've got cubs that are military cubs or Cessnas, you name it, biplanes, of course, Spitfires, Mustangs, all those kind of things, bring them down to Warbirds over Bansdale, November the 4th and 5th. Entry is $20 per pilot. Public can attend as well through a gold coin donation. Proudly supported by Albury RC, good club, a good shop, sorry. And of course, Desert Aircraft, another great shop from up in Queensland. Uh, so no doubt they've donated some products for their raffle prize and stuff like that. Uh, you can camp at the field. There's $10 per night. Um, there's catering available on site, barbecue, fire pit, hot showers, toilets, all that kind of stuff is there. So it's a good, it's a really good club. I love going to Bensdale. The, the gates will be open from the 3rd to the 7th because you know what happens at Bensdale? People just don't go for the event. They always go earlier and stay longer as well. So uh, gates open on the 3rd and will close on the 7th, but uh, November 4th and 5th is the official event. So get on board with that. Uh, so it's Bensdale, 4th and 5th. Then let's go over to Western Australia now because there's an event happening over in Western Australia, which is a fun fly and swap meet on Sunday, the 5th of November at 2023. So that on the Sunday, but it, when... Western Australia, the other side of their country, uh, the WAMASC, WAMASC, I don't know what they call it locally, but anyway, it's a WA, uh, um, I can't see, my eyesight's not good enough to see the logo on the flyer, uh, so it's open to all RC aircraft enthusiasts, current MAAA membership required to enter the flying area, uh, bring your favourite plane and or heli to fly, no reserve time slots unless required on the day, maximum five pilots in the air. Um, and then if you want to get rid of some stuff, bring your model planes and RC gear for the, uh, swap meet, um, canteen will be open all day. If F POS facilities available gates open at 7.30 AM. That's the fun flying swap meet at the WA model aircraft sports center. You people in WA will know exactly where that is. The WA model aircraft sports center, fun flying swap meet on Sunday, the 5th of November. Now, over to South Australia. Let's come back to South Australia. There's still more. Norlunga Model Aero Sports is having a, an event on the 26th of November. 
um, civil and military scale flying day. It's basically a scale day, civil and military scale flying day uh, on the 26th of November. Flying display of civil and military radio control aircraft. Gee, they've, they've mentioned twice in the uh, fly. Civil and military scale flying day. Flying display of civil and military radio control aircraft. No, really. Sunday, 26th of November, 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. at Clisby Lane, Seaford Meadows. Cold drinks and barbecue. Entry by gold coin donation. So there'll be flying displays, helicopter display, static display, lunchtime kids' activities. Raffle prizes drawn at 2 p.m. They'll have barbecue, hot chips and drinks available. Gold coin donation on entry. There'll also be Pilot's Choice Awards as well um, for a bunch of different categories. Military military Master, Best Civil Scale, Junior Encouragement Award and the Massa Encouragement Award. Free entry to all NAAA pilots. There you go. Okay, now I've got more. I've got more. Just got to remember. Okay, still in South Australia. 4th and 5th of November. Again, the 4th and 5th of November. Lots of events happening the 4th and 5th of November. We've got Bensdale, we've got WA, and we've got Narrow Court as well. 4th and 5th of November, they're having um, the Narrow Court Model Aero Club out there in country South Australia, out towards the Victorian borderway. Uh, they're having a scale fun fly event. Uh, bring your scale model planes and enjoy the fun. They've got a good, large, flat, open area with a mown grass strip. Um, catering will be available for both days free camping available on site plenty of accommodation in narrow court if you need it um, MAAA pilots of course pilot registration is $10 for the whole event doesn't cost too much goes to a good cause as well uh, so 4th and 5th of November at the narrow court model aero club people in South Australia will know where that is um, if you want to know more about that event or that, that, they want to know if you're coming kind of thing so the best thing to do is to um, have a look at the narrow court. Oh, what's the email address here? You've given me an email address. Narrow court, N-A-R-A-C-O-O-R-T-E dot model dot aero dot club at outlook.com if you send them an email. You know what I'll do? I'll put this flyer up on the Flat Out RC Facebook page. Get on it down that and have a look uh, because I don't think they've got a website. I think they should have a website and they could direct traffic to it. But anyway... Narrow Court Model Aero Club, Scale Fun Fly, 4th and 5th of November. Get on down. And, of course, this week, coming weekend, we've got the IMAC Nationals at the P and Dark, the Pakenham and Districts. Uh, P A P Pakenham and Districts. Aero Modelling. I don't know. Oh, look, I'm a member of the club, and I can't remember the name because it's very, very long. I think when they develop the name, they'll be thought about how we're going to pronounce it. But P and Darks, again, if you're local in Victoria, um, you'll know where that club is. Um, so they've got the national championships, which I'm hoping to head down to. And we're going to talk more about that with uh, Stevie Melkman. So lots and lots of events that are happening. Um, so all good. Now, someone's trying to ring me. And you know who it was? Gavin Sexton. Gavin you just tried to ring me because I know you're going to listen to this. You just tried to ring me. Thanks for interrupting my recording. That's why I hung up on you. Anyway, I'll ring you later. Uh, got me thinking. I was looking the other day. Actually, this sort of sparked my thought. I was thinking about um, when I set up, when I upload these podcasts, I have to fill out a category. Like what category of podcast is it? And I always say that it's sort of like I do a custom category called aviation, but should I be really calling classifying this podcast as under the sporting category? Now, different countries view radio control flying in different ways, but here in Australia and in other areas of the world, 
we classify it under a sport, but do we think it's really a sport? And I always swing in the wind because sometimes I think, oh, sports where you go and exert yourself and you're lifting things and you're pushing your body and that kind of stuff. But I'm starting to change my tune and think that it probably is the right category for what we do because when you think about it, what do you need to do in sport? You need to train. You need to attain a skill. You need to focus. You need to practice if you're competing especially. Uh, and we, we do all of that. You know, there's a lot of uh, – I love the psychology of performance. And, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about the IMAC Nationals that are coming up. And, and when you think about it, it's it's like other sports where you've got to get out there and perform, whether it be shooting or, you know, or running, you know, you name it. You've got to perform. And often you have to, you know, have that – mental state that allow you to perform and the psychology behind performance, especially something like aero modeling where, uh, you know, you've got almost one chance to get it right. So there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of muscle memory that's needed to overcome the nerves and stuff like that. And my old friend, Ido Sega that has passed away, but we used to talk a lot and he, he would tell me how he trained for aerobatic competitions for model, model flying. And it was like he was an elite athlete. I always said that Edo had the mindset of an elite athlete, elite, that he he behaved like an elite athlete and you know he would put the time in and he had the dedication. Like when he wanted to learn how to windsurf, he, he didn't care that it was the middle of winter here in Melbourne. It was 10 degrees outside and the water temperature was really cold and his feet were going to you know, go numb. He said to me one day, I said, why are you doing it, Edo? Why are you going out there in winter? He said, because how else am I going to get good at it if I don't go out now? And that was his philosophy also with flying, that the dedication and the, the approach that he had and uh, to it. So I'm starting to come around. The problem is that half of us don't look like athletes. We should, I think we should start aerobic classes, something, a flying club, so that we can all get into shape. But I must say, like, if I have a day out in the shed working on models, I feel like I've done some exercise. I feel like that I've, you know, really moved the body and into different different angles and stood up on my feet and stuff like that. And and at the flying field, we have to walk around, carry our planes and that kind of stuff. So I suppose that all helps. But uh, I do always say that, you know, the most athletic form of aero modeling is, I think, um, discus launch gliders. That's like a hammer thrower in a kind of way, which I do like discus launch gliding. I always say, if I'm going to go to World Champs, I want to go to discus launch gliding because the models are nice and light, easy to, easy to carry, and uh, they're a lot of fun. So what do you think? Are we a bunch of athletes or not? Well, my favourite time of the podcast once again, and I'll tell you what, the guy that I got on board today is a guy that I love talking to and I love seeing at the field. And I think I, I've never met anybody that doesn't like this chap. Uh, Stevie Malkman is our guest. He's been on before. So I thought I'd get him on, though, because he's quite heavily involved in the IMAX scale aerobatics scene and is playing a part in helping to coordinate the um, the IMAX nationals, I believe, uh, that are happening this weekend. And he's a good guy and become a very avid IMAX flyer. Uh, and he helps a lot of people out. So I thought we'll get Stevie on to sort of preview the uh, national championships. Pilots from around the country are coming down to Victoria to compete at this. IMAC is really flying at the moment. I think there's there's well over 40, nudging on 50, I think, um, uh, entrants. 
So it's going to be a good event and uh, a lot of the categories are going to be hotly contested and um, Stevie will fill us in with all that. So here's my chat with Stevie Milkman about the upcoming iMac Nationals. Stevie Milkman is joining us once again and I always love having a chat with Stevie and if anybody knows Stevie, you know what a happy-go-lucky kind of guy he is. Stevie Milkman, thanks for coming back onto the podcast. G'day, Andrew. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here again. <laughs> it's always good to have you, Stevie. I love seeing you down at the field. You always put a smile on my face. Now, we're going to be talking about the iMac Nationals uh, because you're quite involved with with that whole iMac scene and uh, on, on various different levels. So it's coming up, uh, I think... When this podcast comes out, it's the it's the it's the weekend the, the the weekend that's coming up. But before I get into that, what have you been up to, Stevie? Well, uh, look, I'm still iMacking, obviously. <laughs> that is true. Uh, apart from that, um, I'm trying to mix it up a bit. This year, I've uh, tried to have a, a bit of a varied interest in my flying and trying to come back to my helis a little bit as well, because as you know, I fly helis. And, uh, yeah, just to, as you say, find your roots again. Uh, so I sort of uh, was primarily only focusing on iMac solely for a good period of time. And, uh, yeah, it's good to come back and have a bit of fun, you know, whether it be a heli or an electric glider or a tow plane, because I, I used to do quite a bit of aero towing. And um, oh, it's all good. Uh, I enjoy the camaraderie within the club and at the various events. Uh, it's a really good thing. Well, I did see you down at the Shepherd and Mammoth. What were, did, were you flying there? Did you take a plane? I did. Yeah, yes. I actually had my uh, pilot RC Decathlon, which uh, doubles as my tow plane. It's my own uh, personal tow plane now. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a, a good plane. Um, it's amply or ably powered with our, uh, a DLE 120, so it's got plenty of power for fun and towing and you name it. <laughs> What's the wingspan? Uh, from memory, I think it's 122 inches. So it's, I think, designed around uh, like a single cylinder 50cc to an 80cc. Um, and obviously, I've just gone that little bit bigger. Amazingly, the twin uh, 120 still fits within the cowling without uh, too many issues. I just had to very mildly uh, modify the firewall a little bit to get it in. Yeah. But uh, no, it fit in perfectly. Well, it's interesting. I love decathlons. I've, I've loved decathlons since I was a kid. Uh, but in the last podcast I had, um, no, not the last one, the one before, I had Corinne Pellet, and she was telling me how she didn't think decathlons flew that well and cubs flew better than decathlons. And I was like, oh, really? I really like I've never, never flown a decathlon, but how do you compare them? I actually, coming from uh, having flown a, a Cub, a J3 Cub was a, a, a tow plane, a, a go-to for ooh, 15 plus years. We see we used to operate the third scale World Models Cub and that had a Zenoa 80 uh, twin in it and that had just enough power for towing. Um, smaller gliders, you know, typically up to four metres, five metres, it'd be a bit of a struggle for some of the heavier gliders. But uh, in the way that that flew, it was very draggy. Obviously, cubs can be draggy with the wing struts and whatnot. And obviously, in most cases, they're a flat bottom wing. They're not even sort of semi-symmetrical, plank, uh, stab and, and fins. So, <laughs> look, it, it flew well and performed, but in terms of accuracy, not, not as good. And look, to be honest, this is my first decathlon that I've owned and flown. And I was pleasantly surprised how well it flew from an aerobatic perspective. 
Um, it just, yeah, I was expecting it to maybe be somewhat similar to the cup, which it is to some extent, but it just to me, it felt like it, it performed certain aerobatic maneuvers, rolling and so forth. Um, a little bit nicer, a bit more tidier, maybe the larger ailerons or uh, maybe not as big, I don't know, the wingspan ratio. It's pretty short coupled um, mm. to the fuselage length. But, uh, yeah, certainly it, I was really surprised how well it rolled. I thought it was going to be a bit like the J3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it'd be a bit sluggish. Okay, so you, you, you're, you're still very, very active. And as you said, you like to, to mix it up. And I think it's, you know, it's funny when I've seen iMacers and stuff when they get let loose, the smile that they have on their face. Because when you look at things like pattern flying and iMac and even scale competitions and stuff like that, all the flying disciplines, that you've got to be very, very focused and be very, very disciplined when you fly. And when you get the opportunity to go and fly a glide or something like that, it's like, ah. It's a bit, we can, I can let the hair down a bit. No one's looking at me and judging me now. I'm just flying my glider kind of thing. So I think that's uh, good to do now and again. Exactly. Look, there's always a time to be serious, but there's also a time in this hobby where you enjoy yourself. And it's not all about just uh, monotonous practice, practice, practice. Let's get this plane dialed in. You also need to take time out for yourself, I think, uh, mentally and spiritually, where you're away from that uh, because just doing that alone, it, it does take its toll over time. And I think for me, I got to a point probably start of this year or early in the year, and I sort of I'd forgotten how much uh, fun I used to have doing all the other um, disciplines within the hobby. And uh, it is so important. And for those listeners who haven't actually uh, sort of ventured into other aspects of the hobby, I encourage you to do so because uh, you learn a lot from flying different things. Uh, in terms of gliding, uh, that's one thing I'll, I'll tell you, a glider pilot will certainly uh, understand the relationship of, um, you know, the, judging the glide ratio of the aircraft to position, to line up and, and touch down where they want it to on the on the runway or wherever they're landing upon. Uh, and obviously, uh, if you've only been flying power and you haven't uh, done too many dead stick landings, uh, you've really got to... <laughs> get on top of it and make some good decisions to ensure that you can make the wrong way and, and not land in the shrubs or rip the landing gear out and flip yeah. the model. All sorts of altercations can occur. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, we've got a lot of options in this hobby and I, I encourage you all to uh, have a look and if there's something that takes interest, go for it. And, of course, go and participate in IMAC because uh, it's a great way to improve your flying. But so that brings me to the IMAC Nationals. Now, for any of you out there in uh, in podcast land or listening land, uh, IMAC is, of course, scale aerobatics flying. Uh, there are a number of different categories. That each category has sequences that they fly. The sequences are based on real-life aerobatic manoeuvres from the, the, you know, the Arresti. What, what's it called? The um, Arresti, yeah. Arresti, right. but it's, what's the organisation that uh, does the aerobatic stuff? Oh, International Aerobatic Club, IAC. IAC, yeah. So, so you, basically you have a scale aerobatic plane and you mimic full-size aerobatic planes. So um, IMAC Nationals are coming up this weekend. Uh, where are they being held? They're being held at my home club at uh, Pakenham or Darks, uh, which is just uh, out in Cardinia in uh, southeast of Melbourne, um, we've actually got a really good setup at, at the facility. We've got three runways, obviously, uh, with the numbers we're getting at the Nationals, which I'm sure we'll get onto next. 
uh, we'll be able to run dual flight lines. So uh, basically two opposing uh, runways and uh, that'll allow us obviously get through all the classes and the number of pilots that we uh, we need to get through. So uh, no, it will be a great event. It's uh, held over the three days, uh, last weekend uh, of October, so next weekend, and it should it's looking to be a great event. Um, feel free to ask me about numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, well, how many people are registered for the event? So far at this point, uh, we've got 46 pilots uh, registered which is a really good number. Um, obviously, it'd be good if there were a few more. Obviously, we encourage that. We, we want uh, the hobby to keep growing in, in IMAC. Um, but it's really good to see in terms of uh, we've had an influx. Obviously, in Victoria here, we, we've had a lot of growth over the last few years, but it's also good to see now there's some growth, some positivity in New South Wales. There's a number of uh, new uh, comers coming in, uh, which I think is so important. Uh, it, it's all good. It's happening in one state, but it's good to see that it's not just happening in the one state. So 46 pilots, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a summary. Uh, we've got 12 in basic, 11 in sportsman, uh, 14 in intermediate, five in advanced and four in unlimited. And uh, so there's five classes, just to, to summarise. Uh, basics, the, the entry or introductory class, and obviously, uh, you know, difficulty increases basic through sports, mini-intermediate, advanced, and an unlimited, which is the uh, the class at the top. Yeah, okay. Well, you know what's really good to see is down that junior levels and stuff, the basic, that the numbers are so strong. And, yes. And and what we know is that when people come into IMAC, they sort of stick around for a while which and, and everyone gets bumped up. Now, just on that, uh, I'm a newcomer, I get put in the basic category. How do I progress mm-hmm. up to the different categories? Absolutely. So there is a, a promotion system in place. So um, you to obviously earn a promotion point, you need to hit an average uh, percentage at a comp. Um, now for basic, it is a, a lower percentage. I believe it's 60%. And obviously for the upper class, so every class above basic, it's 65%. And so you would need to uh, obtain that average over your flights that are counted. And uh, you need three promotion points to be uh, basically eligible uh, for promotion to the next class. Um, now, obviously, it, it's not necessarily all just about uh, promotion points within a 12-month calendar period. Um, you know, obviously, some people may be in a particular class for more than 12 months and may have attained more than the, the three points over an extended period of time. And obviously, on a case-by-case basis, uh, you know, the uh, the member can apply to the committee to move up to the next class if they feel they're ready and the committee can take into consideration um, their their request. So, Yeah, okay. So yeah, so it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see. And I know that there's a few newcomers that are that are really trying their hand at national levels, which is really good, especially some of the locals. And um, yeah, the Pakenham Field is a good field. I'm a member down there, and you know, plenty of pit area, undercover pit area as well. Um, plenty of area for camping and toilet and shower facilities and all that kind of stuff. So it is really a great place to to have this event and um. And the the, the, the groundskeepers there will do a good job to prepare the runways. So everything will be good. We've had IMAC events there, local IMAC events with good numbers. So um, that is going to be good scene. And I think there's some after-hours activities. I, I believe, you know, the big man, Gavin Sexton, was, was out scouting pizza restaurants the other day, he told me, testing out 
pizza so that you know we can get the right place for the for the the throng of uh, competitors that's that's right i was actually out there with him doing some taste testing uh, <laughs> well thanks thanks for the invite stevie you know i'm i've got a i'm, I'm a bit partial to chewing Yes, well, uh, that, that's just another task that, that goes into all the preparation for the Nationals, uh, being that it is uh, the, the event that it is. It's quite a, a large, uh, we're catering for quite a large quantity of people. I mean, although we've got 46 pilots, you'll probably find with partners and, and others, uh, we're potentially in the realm of over 50 possibly up to 60 people uh, we have to cater for. And uh, one thing about the Nationals event, uh, which makes it a bit iconic, is it's where the ASAA, the Australian Scale Aerobatics Association, hold their AGM. So it's held at the the dinner on the Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, so we've obviously got to feed everyone, (laughs) make sure everyone's having a good time. And, uh, yeah, this can only happen by uh, the volunteers, whether it be on the committee or, or the members who help and assist, like Gavin, and numerous others. Uh, who, you know, give us a hand just to make sure we, we have everything organised and, and running in fashion. So it's looking to be a really good event. I've, I've dreamt about the, the time that we would have this event at uh, Darks at my home club. Yeah. Being the facility that it is. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that there's been a massive influx of Darks members that have joined the IMAC fraternity. I, I'd say here in Victoria it's probably – got the most amount of members that, that are competing in IMAC. Uh, it is a big club, so, of course, we're going to have, you know, the propensity to have greater numbers as a result. But, uh, yeah, it's just amazing to see. You know, I've been around the aerobatic scene since I've sort of started flying, and and this is the best I've ever seen in Victoria, which is, uh, which is really, really good to see. So, okay. So how many rounds are you running? So how many rounds do people fly? Well, typically, so for the known sequences, and I'll sort of cover up, I won't go into too much detail. You can, you can uh, yeah. pick my brain on the finer details, but uh, the known sequences, which obviously everyone knows what they are, hence why given that name, you fly a double. Um, now, depending on the numbers. Wait a second, what do you mean by a double? Back-to-back flights? A double, yeah, back-to-back. So they'll fly one round, uh, complete it, um, obviously wait for the judges ready and go straight back in for their second sequence. And that's typically what happens at at all IMAC events. Uh, You do a double. Now, depending on numbers, so some of the larger classes, we may not run doubles. uh, So the the organisers at the event or the the director, flight line director may decide and opt to for the larger classes to just do singles. And that's a possibility for some of those larger classes where they're well over 10 competitors. Uh, but obviously for the smaller classes, they could probably just still do their double. Because obviously we need to get through all the five classes and separate to the knowns, there are unknowns, which are always a single. But this is a sequence which the competitors have never seen before. And they've got to learn the sequence, obviously, before they have to fly. And typically this is done... Uh, and no, not with a simulator. They use a, what we call a stick plane, which is a profile-style aircraft with a stick down the back of it. <laughs> and we basically uh, fly the aircraft through its sequence as if we were flying it to learn the directions, the components. Because obviously IMAC is primarily a mixture of, of vertical uplines and downlines, uh, looping manoeuvres, um, horizontal. Uh, orbital, yeah, rolling manoeuvres, point rolls, 
So, and, and in, in a lot of cases, uh, they are direction um, sensitive. So you need to roll a particular direction so that you come out at the correct orientation for the next part of the maneuver you need to be, whether it be a cross box or uh, a, you know, a loop or, or whatever it may be. Uh, the only thing I, I forgot to mention, so basic don't fly unknowns, they just fly their single known. Um, that's the only difference, but all other classes will, will fly an unknown. And uh, this is where you, you sort of really build your, your skill level and how you manage yourself uh, as a pilot. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, as you progress through the classes, uh, you know, it can be a challenge at first when you're, you're new to a class and the, the intensity levels are quite high, your concentration levels. But uh, this is where the skills uh, really get built um, through the unknowns. Yeah. Okay. Unknowns scare me. I've always said, look, personally, basics where it's at as far as I'm concerned. You know, this is where the champions are in basic. You know, some of the some of my friends are flying in basic, and uh, that's the hotly contested category. That's my personal preference, and they don't fly unknowns. Uh, but where do these unknown sequences come from? Did, who makes them up? There is a committee set up. Really good question. There is a committee. Uh or uh, you could say it's a group of uh, volunteers who are you know, generally ASIA members or it's actually on an international level as well. So we have some volunteers here in Australia who are on that um, sort of subcommittee, so to speak, who, who manage the, uh, the unknowns and generate them. And there's obviously rules and criteria that they need to follow when they create an unknown uh, that they have to follow for each class. So... Uh, there's a bit that goes into it, and obviously it's not as just as simple as okay, we've created it. It gets, uh, it goes through a, like a, a sequence of testing, I guess. It goes to someone else's eyes, and and they approve it, yay or nay. Um, obviously, uh, one thing about iMac, the layout of the manoeuvres are specifically chosen uh, to to sort of follow. You know, you've got end manoeuvres and you've got centre manoeuvres, and obviously it'll be laid out in such a way so that they flow together uh, as well as possible. Um, so at, the, at the end of the day, um, you, you, want it, you want it as a pilot, uh, make it look really good and present it well to the judges. How, you know, say if I'm flying an intermediate and I get given an unknown, is the unknown sequence at the same standard of the, of the known sequence or a little bit easier to factor in that they've never seen it before? That's a really good question. And from my own experience, it's it's here or there. Look, it's generally within that category of, of difficulty in terms of what, what will be the, the real factor is the rolling components. Uh, are you doing quarter rolls, eight-point uh, rolls? Um, so, yeah, look, sometimes you can get a, a much easier unknown. For instance, in the knowns, uh, look, pull out of the advanced, uh, which is a class I'm in, we have to do a 270 roller with three rolls uh, to the inside. We may at times not even get a roller, especially if there's an alternate uh, sequence being flown. And the alternates, I'll, I'll tell you a bit about that, they are uh, generally flown at certain airfields where there's sensitivity, whether it be um, airspace-wise or, or in the terms of um, overflying other areas or neighbours and where when you're not allowed to overfly. So the alternate will generally exclude a roller or any manoeuvres um, going out of the cross box. But, um, yes, uh, the the alternates, um, where was I going? They, 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 look, they can be sometimes easier doing an alternate than 
um, just a normal unknown. Yeah. And uh, the, the unknowns can be very challenging at times because what they'll generally do, they'll use a lot of the same components you normally fly in your known, but they'll move them around. And sometimes in a way that you haven't quite done them before. <laughs> Um, and we get some very different manoeuvres at times, like a vertical eight. Um, you know, we, they do try to mix it up, obviously, to, to put a bit of challenge in, because that's the thing about the unknowns. Um, you know, you can practice your your uh, your knowns to to the cows come home, but when you get the unknown, uh, you know, you may be flying as well as you can, you known, and you're sitting up somewhere near the top in terms of points. <laughs> But then uh, if you fly a very tidy unknown, you could then, uh, you know, jump a couple of places quite easily because, you know, compared to how your competition does, and if they don't do as well in the unknown, you know, that it certainly changed the placings uh, around for you to take the lead or, or whatever <laughs> it may be. So the unknowns are a bit of a tricky one. Um, and obviously one thing I've learned is, having a good caller is very important. And that is a, a caller who isn't rushed, uh, takes their time, but at the same time doesn't rush you, uh, you know, is a lagging behind calling the components. Uh, and something I found more recently that's helped me in advance is having my caller stand right next to me instead of behind me, because there's been a couple of times where I've had to glance over at the page mm. just to have a bit a look hang on how is it supposed to be again and you can sneak in a quick glance and okay back at my way <laughs> i have done that a few times uh so um yeah uh, the the caller is very important uh, in terms of uh, those unknowns especially being that you have never flown it before uh and well you're not supposed to have flown it before and i'll say that with a bit of tongue-in-cheek because there's uh, a while ago <laughs> at a comp, we got the same unknowns. We got one other time, uh, but uh, that does not generally happen. <laughs> and this, that will not happen at, at this event, I can guarantee you. It's no, that's right. that's right. But, yeah, the caller is, the caller is essential. Uh, like I've looked at, I've looked at a lot of uh, um, IMAX sequences and, and I think one day you, you were calling for me. We were just practising the basic sequence or whatever. And I think I said to you, CV, I, I don't use the technical names. Just tell me what the plane has to do, right? Because, I, and again, it's, it's this is my fault. It's because I haven't spent the time to, you know, understand all the names of the different manoeuvres, you know. Like, Hammerhead to me is a stall turn, isn't it? Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I call them stall turns. Someone else calls them hammerheads. So, so if I had a, a call, if I was competing, I would work with the same caller and teach them the terminology that I understand, and I might make my, I make up my own names for it, so that they'll go, oh, that manoeuvre, yeah, I know what that one is, yeah. And I'll just go and then it just jogs my memory. But like, do, have you mem you've obviously memorised your sequence though, the known sequence. Uh, that is. The known sequence, yeah, absolutely. And and look, generally, I like to do this very early on, and, and so you everyone knows uh, the sequences change every year. So on the calendar year, which I love, I love that because uh, you can fly one sequence and every now and again you'll get a year, especially if you've been in that class for more than a year, you can go, oh, I really didn't like this year's sequence or last year's sequence and you go to the new year and you've changed it up and you're like, okay, this flows a lot better now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, So you do get that, but um, you certainly uh, learn it pretty quickly. And I was actually just talking uh, to someone, I don't know if it was Gavin Sexton recently, but 
uh, it came up in conversation and uh, I basically put it to them that when you do move up a class, it can be initially, especially in the early instances, it can be a little bit overwhelming as, and as you progress it, you know, the concentration levels increase and your mental capacity as well. And you, I've found what I've had to do is break down the sequence sometimes into three components or three sets of manoeuvres just to sort of, so it's not too overwhelming because there could have been components in those manoeuvres where I was like, oh, I could just get through that and it looked, you know, untidy as all. (laughs) But, uh, you know, by breaking it up into segments, it was a lot more manageable. And I I say this probably more so with the the higher classes um, because there's a lot more components within those manoeuvres and we are generally flying a lot larger in the higher classes to give ourselves more time and, and so we're not as rushed. Yeah. Now, another category of competition you that's going to feature at this event is my favourite, freestyle. Uh, sure is. And it's good to see that I think there are a few people who are going to be partaking in that freestyle competition. Um, tell us about the freestyle component. Sure. So in iMac, um, we, we do have freestyle and to be able to enter into freestyle, I'll just put this right at the front, you have to fly and enter into the known sequences. So you can't just fly freestyle. Just sort of put that out there yes. <laughs> for everyone. Now we've got, I think at the moment, between six and seven entries in freestyle, which is really good. Freestyle is very different to known sequences in that it's a four-minute routine flying to music and obviously preferentially uh, the pilot will practice or or develop a bit of a routine so that that their manoeuvres can flow or go with the music, whether it be the tempo and obviously they'll have a backing track, some that that have chosen, they may have even mixed themselves. (laughs) Uh, But uh, typically, you know, a a lot of them, uh, pilots will opt to use smoke systems for added effect. Um, And the judging criteria for, for freestyle is a little bit different to the knowns in that, uh, you know, you're judged on the use of flight envelope, the accuracy or precision of the, of the flying, uh, the wow factor, <laughs> and I guess the variety of the manoeuvres uh, chosen. So, you know, the idea obviously to score well is you, you want to demonstrate uh, your aircraft flying through all different um, flight envelopes whether it be hovering and forward flight, tail slides, you name it, you want to not just do the same repetitive thing constantly, you want to make it varied to keep it interesting, obviously, for the audience and the judges. Yeah, that is so, very, yeah. very true. Love the freestyle. Uh, when's the freestyle going to be held? Normally at the end of the event? or Yeah, usually it is. It's it's after all the known sequences are flown. Obviously, most importantly, they need to be uh, gotten through and it's usually in the afternoon. And it's obviously time dependent, and uh, but yeah, look, we'll always generally fit them in, and um, oh, it's always good to watch. I have entered freestyle in my uh, earlier days. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's a bit of fun too, and a uh, few laughs to be had at times. <laughs> uh, it's good, and uh, look, it, it, it's good. It builds good camaraderie between the pilots as well, and uh, you get to see a different side to them. Uh, that's not just you know flying known uh, fixed sequences. Yeah. Okay. No doubt, people are coming from around the uh, around the country. Um, what most competitors coming from Victoria? You got it. <laughs> yeah. I, I 
we had a bit of a look. So we've got 30 entries in Vic. <laughs> we've got seven from New South Wales, uh, eight from Queensland, and one from WA. Ooh, who's, uh, who's going from WA? Uh, Cliff Altus. Okay, cool. And Cliff has been a very, very long uh, supporter of IMAC Nationals. He's always made the distance when they've been over this side or even in Queensland. Um, I've attended um, actually pretty much since I've started flying IMAC. I think I've attended every Nationals since I've, I've been involved and I'm pretty sure Cliff has, has attended every one of them. Good on him. Good, good job, good job, Cliff. Big shout out to Cliff uh, for making the effort. Because uh, for those listening overseas, Western Australia is on the other side of Australia. It's a long way. It, it's a from from where I am. It's a three hour flight. Just to uh, I think it's three hours one way, isn't it? And longer the other on the way back. Yeah, correct. So it's um yeah, we're a big country here. It takes a long time to get from one side. And so no doubt he's probably is he driving across. I'm not sure. He used to. He used to uh, take his big bus, um, and and that would. So they used to come in a whole entourage <laughs> from WA, and they have all the planes underneath the bus, and uh, and it'll get transported. I think it was like a Winnebago. I think for memory. Oh gee. And yeah, it's a good way to so, do it. Yeah, I, it is. And look, I can imagine you have a good time with your mates traveling over. You know, it's quite a lot of driving. Uh, you have a few laughs as well. It's the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Who are the pilots to watch out for this event in this event? In basic, I reckon, as I said, basic's where it's at as far as I'm concerned. We've got some big names <laughs> there. We've got Gavin Six. We've got big Tony, Sergeant Tony Wilson. That's always, I ring them up at the end of every IMAC event and say, who won? Gavin's been riding high. He's got plenty of uh, plenty of wins on the board this year, and and he's going to move up, I know, after this event. I think he's scheduled to, to move up, and um, but he's really been gunning for the, the national champs. He's been doing a lot of practice. So oh, I dare say he's probably a bit of a favourite, uh, but I think it's going to be very, very hotly contested, that uh, the basic uh, category. Um, yes, absolutely. We've got also uh, Junior Cooper Keller from, uh, from my club, from Pakenham, who's also in, in basic. And so, yeah, it will be a hotly uh, contested uh, class, um, 12 in basic. It's growing. IMAC is really growing. I think back when I started, we probably were under 10 competing at that time. And it's, it's interesting because there was like a whole group of us who started flying around that time and we sort of progressed. Some of us moved up quicker than others, but... You know, we, we're all within a period of, say, 18 months, we're moving up from basic to sportsman and some of us sportsmen to intermediate by that stage. And, uh, you know, the basic class uh, was a lot less for a period of time and, and now it's just come all the way back <laughs> to, to even more numbers again, which is really good to see. And, it, and it's mixed too, like I said. We've got competitors coming from New South Wales, there's a few new uh, guys uh, who are giving it a go, which is really good to see. Yeah, again, that movement happening. Intermediate. Oh, no, sportsman, sorry, sportsman. Do we know who some of the favourites are in that? Yeah, and I'm just having a bit of, oh, yes. <laughs> um, no doubt. Um, We're missing somebody. Somebody we, we are. And you know what? That's kind of shocked me. The entry. Oh, I was looking at the wrong one. I was. <laughs> oh, Stevie, I was, uh, you never learn how to read. No, I know. So hang on, we're talking about sportsmen now, sportsmen. not intermediate. Sportsmen. Yes, that's what I thought. 
sorry, I got lost in all the numbers. I'm looking at, at the current registrations and uh, they're all sorted by class. Um, so in sportsmen, you know, who's actually um, uh, been up there? So we've got Craig Bristol, we've got uh, Barlin Spanko, mm. Darcy, Darcy Wilson, Wilson. so Tony from, from Bansdale. Um, we've got Mario Chambry, who's coming along to, to I think he's entered uh, an event once, if not twice before. Um, so he, he'll be entering as well. Another local uh, guy here in Victoria, um, Stephen Gobold uh, from Queensland, I believe. Um, Leighton Caldwell, also uh, Mark Sills, of course, from Northern. Ricardo, Ricardo's uh, certainly a hot contender. Um, Phil Danes as well. So look, we've got a mixture. Of, I wasn't giving you many names in, in basic because there's just too many to go through. Yeah, too many. And it, okay, so uh, some, yeah, some of my mates are there. Absolutely, I Believe. forgot to mention. Uh, how can I forget John Man Waring? Oh, news from Cootamundra, New South Wales. Johnny, there's a nut. He's been in the scene for a while. He has, and you know what? It's been really good to see him flying. He's uh, actually flying really well at the moment. I'm really uh, good on you, Johnny. Great to see you at our events, and uh, keep it up, mate. Yep, always good to see the uh, the people getting the car and travelling down. Uh, so what have we got after sportsman intermediate? That's going to be all. Is that is that the Cameron Sexton category? It is. That's Ooh, this is going to be a good one. You'd be a hot contender, absolutely. Uh, we've got Jonathan Greaves also from uh, Northern Flying Group. Uh, Ant Sisley, he's usually uh, up there as well. Um, Cliff Altus is in intermediate from WA. David Gull, Stephanie Ball, uh, John York. Uh, Simon Ventervogel, uh, Brendan Gell, and Joey Tavora. So Joey's coming over as well from yeah. New South. Rob, of course. How can I forget Rob? Can't, from Rob. Oh, look, we've got some season, Eddie, season campaigners Eddie, there. Uh, junior Andy Middlecoat uh, from Queensland, yep. Um, Derwin. Uh, Derwin actually uh, formerly from Patton, F3A, um, from GMAC, um, but yeah, he's he's coming along as well. Um, Mar, I oh, yeah, actually no, hang on, Derwin's in sports. And my apologies, I don't know why I put him in intermediate, but yes, GMAC and so, sports, look, Stevie, come on, focus. I am, You're putting I people am. in the wrong categories. Okay, so yeah, so Cameron Sexton's got to be the favourite, I, I reckon, in the intermediate. He's been winning a lot. Uh, so yeah, I'll put my money on Cameron. Go Cam, go and get your license, Cameron. You still haven't got your car license. Hurry up. But he's close. Apparently, he's very, very close. Yeah, I got reports the other day. Okay, so if we move on from intermediate after that's what advanced. Advanced. Well, that, that's oh, my class. That's uh, look, Stevie Malcolm for the win. No, I, I won't put myself uh, up there <laughs> yet. But we've got um, Harrison uh, Ritter, um, and he can fly. He can fly. Trust me, he can fly. Yeah, he's a good pilot. Harrison, you're listening. You can fly, mate. <laughs> Not as well as me, Harrison, but you can fly. We've got Brian Stenberg from uh, Queensland as well. Riley Sills from Northern. Ooh. And Niall, uh, Riley will be uh, probably contended, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a good pilot. Uh, Darren Mecklem and even Darren I've got to watch at times. <laughs> Darren's from Northern as well and obviously uh, myself. But, um yeah, that's going to be a good one to see because a good, lot of good pilots in that category. It'd be hard to yeah. hard to call. No, Harrison Ritter's flying amazingly well, um, so he's been he's been doing a good job. So 
Stevie Milkman, of course, he's always up there because he's a legend. Um, yeah, no, that's going to be an interesting one. Okay. And then we've got Unlimited, the guns, the guys this that can do right. everything almost. You know, uh, who have we got in that? Uh, so we've got Michael Andrusik, which is the ASAA president, um, Stephen Grieg from uh, Queensland, Huggy, as he's well known, uh, Scott Bardney from uh, Yenda, New South Wales, and Aaron Gull. Oh, gee. So, yeah, we've, we've got some you've got, uh, like, big shots up there. Yeah, <laughs> you've, got, you've got, you know, Aaron Gull, of course, has won numerous national championships, one of the best pilots that has come out of Australia. So he'll be up there, no doubt, and Stephen Gregg as well. Huggy's a, a great pilot as well. So, well, they're actually all they're all pretty good. Look, to fly unlimited, it's amazing to watch those guys fly. Oh, it's exactly. Just, uh, even Michael Andrusik. I called for Michael Andrusik. Uh, yes. And, um, man, the guy can fly. I was thinking, man, I could never do that. How do you do yeah, it? And he, he originally comes from the roots of Control Line and then F3A. He did some F3A when, when he was a young uh, junior boy and competed in F3A and then took a, a, a sort of a long uh, break and sabbatical and then came back to RC and he found himself in IMAC and absolutely loves it. <laughs> yeah, he does. Now, okay. So there's a lot of really good pilots that are going to be uh, at the event um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what the end results end up being and, and what the weather's like, if the weather plays into it at all, that kind of thing. Fingers crossed that the weather's going to be okay. Uh, have you been preparing for the event? Well, I've been practising as much as I can. Um, obviously, I still have to do my Monday to Friday job. <laughs> oh, give it up, but, Stevie. Uh, give up the job, focus on IMAX. <laughs> Look, uh, look, at times I've been going out both days on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, uh, where possible to get as much practice. Really just trying to dial in and hone in my plane. Uh, I'm flying my three metre now. I sort of moved on my uh, 2.6 metre NG. And the decision behind that was I always intended to, to go back to my three metre, but I never really got it dialed in and sorted out. And so this year I've spent a good portion of time and focus on my three meter and making a bunch of changes center of gravity so it was way or excessively nose heavy before uh and obviously i've had to move packs back add tail weight uh i've, I've obviously um got my snaps dialed in a lot better than what they ever used to be uh and and the other thing too in saying that transitioning back to a three meter and maybe i perhaps never when i used to fly the three meter uh, having flown 2.6 meter aircraft, um, you know they are smaller, um, and to me, I probably wasn't flying as as large of a box vertically and and widthwise in my manoeuvres, especially my looping manoeuvres. But uh, now coming back to the three meter, um, I'm actually slowing down because I'm flying bigger, and it's giving me more time. I'm able to now concentrate on the presentation of the manoeuvres a lot more. And just not be as rushed and not being perceived as being in a, a rush. And I guess as you move up through the classes, as you get to the, the higher classes where you've got a lot more components in your manoeuvres, uh, from a judge's perspective, if you're sitting in the judging chair, if it's flown too quickly, it, it all happens way too quick. And when you rush the judges, um, you know, I, I can't say it's going to impact your scores, but you have to sort of take it from the point of what the judges don't see, they can't judge. 
and uh, that comes into it to a certain degree. So uh, effectively you really need to look at flying a little bit bigger so you can slow down so that there's, you know, leading time between your end manoeuvres and your centre manoeuvres. Yeah, and it does take quite a a lot more discipline to fly bigger because obviously the loops, everything takes a lot longer. And mind you, whilst your manoeuvres are bigger and and taking longer to complete, you're getting judged that whole time. (laughs) So your flights are actually getting longer rather than shorter than you were before flying a smaller uh, sequencing box. So I, I think that's one of the biggest issues that I've seen and when I've judged aerobatic competitions, people that are flying a tight box and uh, you know going at a greater speed, it looks frantic. The the, the sequences where and Edo Segev used to always say this when we would he, when we were in China together and he'd do seminars with the, the participants and stuff. He'd say just fly bigger and especially if it's windy, you know, buy space for yourself and give yourself time to breathe in between the manoeuvres and, and and think a bit. Right. And then, you know, you see some of these, you know, demo flights and they're just like, they're calm. Everything's done in a, in a calm sort of fashion. I think that's where the bigger planes help. Uh, you know, I've, I've judged competitions where it's been blowing a gale and, of course, the bigger planes are always going to produce and present a lot better and, and and more stable in the sky, which made it more visually appealing for the judges. So you know you'd get a better score. So, but yeah, like you said, it's being patient to complete the maneuver because you're using up a bit more sky, especially if you're doing a loop or, or, or that kind of stuff. But um, and even you know, you know when you you're flying across the box and stuff like that, you know, count, give yourself time, and 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 don't just don't rush, you know. But look, it's easy for us to say whilst we're sitting on the ground, not being judged. That um, you know, part of it's a mental game. I think is when you're putting the heat of the moment and the pressure's on you, and all eyes are on you. You know, you got to stay as calm as possible and focused. So, absolutely, and and I think that's one of the things I've learned as I've progressed up in IMAC to to advanced is the more you load yourself up, your mental capacity. Uh, you know, the more that tendency is. The knee-jerk reaction, and it's almost automatic, is hurry up, I want to get through this. And you have to be really disciplined to sort of hold yourself back and say, no, don't don't rush through it, take your time, make it big, uh, very carefully, you know, be careful on your loop radiuses and whatnot, don't tighten up too much here or there or don't relax too much. Um, and it, it is, it is. Look, it, I, I had to be very disciplined with myself even uh, because, you know, coming from flying a smaller box, um, everything does actually happen and go a lot quicker. Uh, and, and one of the other things in, in enabling me to slow down is now just taking my time instead of just, you know, look, I, I was never too heavy-handed on the throttle. Maybe in the earlier days I was. But instead of just, you know, throttling up full throttle, you're you're very gradually increasing your throttle as you're, um, you know, pulling into a vertical rather than just full throttle pulling into the vertical. So you, you, you've actually, there's a bit of a transition that occurs so as you're driving or put, rotating it, you know, pitching the aircraft around, you're helping uh, drive it around with the throttle. So it's more of a constant and that will help with everything, your noise scores, everything else. And, and that's something I've really sort of um, focused on um, since I've dialed my plane in a lot better too, and it has helped. I found going from a two-blade prop to a three-blade, it also helped slow the plane down 
uh, not just vertical uplines, but also downlines and uh, just its, you know, horizontal speed even. What amazes me about IMAC competitors is how the passion that they have for IMAC flying. And I, I think it's multifaceted. It starts, I think, from enjoying the social aspect of it. Uh, that that's probably the defining thing that people like turning up for that weekend away, going flying model airplanes and hanging around with other like-minded people. So that's a good recipe for success straight there. But then the depth that people go into to analyse their models and and finesse their models to fly as best as they can and understand, like you're talking about different propellers and that kind of stuff and different wingspans and airframe shapes and CGs and all that kind of stuff is that uh, – it's really an all-encompassing kind of thing, from social down to technical, kind of kind of uh, area. But uh, do you think that, you know, why is IMAC flying so popular? Do you think at the moment? Oh, that's a really good question. And just on that, with the the, uh, the dialing in and and the want to say the trimming, the balancing, getting the CFG right, the thrust line right. Look, that takes effort. And, and not just on you as, as the owner uh, and pilot of the aircraft, uh, it, it takes effort. And the thing is, in IMAC, we're so fortunate that the information is being shared from, you know, say Michael Andrisic as an example, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to him and ask him for, for ideas and suggestions. What do you think I could do here? Or I'm not happy with how my aircraft's doing this. And it's not just Michael. I, I can ask other people as well. And, I, I just feel that in IMAC there is very free sharing of information. It's not being withheld like I've seen in other disciplines. And I think it's a really important thing uh, in the hobby, in our hobby, to keep growing is that that information is shared and it's transferred from, from old to young, young to old. It doesn't have to be in the order of old to young. Because I tell you right now too, some of these young uh, Guys that are coming up through the ranks, uh, you know, they're on those sticks. You can really see their skills and ability and sometimes just through their natural ability, they'll figure things out uh, sometimes before you have. (laughs) And they'll come up with some ideas that, you know, I reckon you should try this. And, you know, so I do do frequently bounce ideas off, um, you know, various people. uh, And and that's that's the, the big thing about IMAC. Uh, it's such a community it, and it's like a family. It's it's not just some people just perceive it as being it's competitive flying. It's like this, it's like that. I won't name other SIGs or anything like that, but it is very different. It's unlike anything I've ever done before in error modelling. Uh, I guess that's where I fell in love with uh, IMAC. Um, I, I felt a very strong uh, connection to it and uh, look it's one of the reasons why I, I stepped up to the mark and came on the committee as secretary and uh, yeah look it's it's something I've never seen before well at least here in Australia and I mean look IMAX has been going on in the USA and, and whatnot as well and uh, you know it's quite uh, big over and spread out I should say over there and even in Europe Europe's big and uh, there's a lot of information uh, sharing, uh, not just within Australia. I'm talking about even Europe and videos that people post and, and judging um, schools. Uh, there's a lot to learn. And even at a local comp here in Vic, that, that, or whether it be interstate, wherever, we do judging schools to help um, promote and, and educate 
the guys coming up through the ranks so they can learn how to judge uh, and understand the arrestees and the manoeuvres. But in, and what comes in judging is, well, the, the depth or degree of downgrades. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a twofold um, thing because, you know, apart from them learning how to judge, it also helps them with their own flying because then they know, oh, hang on, those mistakes I'm making, that's costing me that amount of points. Yeah. Hey? So in a way, uh, it's almost like an open book test to a certain degree. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're given the answers to sort of say, well, hang on, and it, it, as much as you want to, and there's obviously no pressure here, if you want to take it more seriously and you want to look into, you know, where can I improve, you can. And you, you always have, look, the, the judges at most events will at times separate to the judging uh, will come up, have a chat with, with certain persons, oh, by the way, you know, you're doing your flying great, but, you know, if you just did this, you could avoid this. <laughs> be doing really well <laughs> overall and that's really good to see because look I, I when I was younger I did fly um, in, in other disciplines uh, competitively I won't name them I, I won't name shame uh, <laughs> anything but you know it wasn't always as forthcoming uh, getting this feedback and it's so important and uh, in terms of your, your personal uh, flying and development um, it, it is a really good thing it, IMAC was everything and more that I hoped for it to, to be for me in terms of becoming a better pilot and challenging myself as a pilot because I knew there was a lot more of me in there. Mm. <laughs> uh, I just didn't know how to get to it or, or how to sort of ascertain and, and learn those new skills, adapt, and, and also improve my uh, mental capacity uh, so I could handle a lot more in terms of rolling integrated. We talk about a loop with a... Point rolls or four point roll on the apex. <laughs> yeah, you can do a lot more. Yeah, I'm going to mention his name again, and he'll get a big head because uh, I know he does listen to this podcast. Gavin Sexton said to me, uh, he was at a, a jet flying event and he's flying one of his jets, and I, I rang him after it and I said, "How did it go?" And he said, "Do you know what? With all the IMAC practice that I've been doing and IMAC flying that I'm doing." I can fly this jet better than I ever have. He said, I'm not scared of flying it. I can do pinpoint landings now. I, I am in a lot more, I'm a lot more confident when I fly it and I'm not a lot more precise. And he said, it's on the back of the iMac flying. And I said, Absolutely. well, it makes a lot, a lot of sense. Because I've always promoted this. When you have to fly to a standard, you're forced to improve because you're being judged. But as I've said to people, you know, there's nothing wrong with learning the basic sequence and going out and practicing and trying to get it as best as you can. You'll become a better pilot just from doing that in flying a sequence and a prescribed sequence. And, and, um, and, and, but you've got to be critical on yourself and letting you know, because there's no judges there. The only judge is yourself. You've got to say, okay, well, I've got to finish that role with wings level, you know, the stuff like that will uh, and and during that practice phase that can improve your, your flying as well so for anyone that is looking at improving their flying and exploring their capabilities as stevie has done get, get on the asa website's what asaa.org.au is it i can't remember no it's scale arrow Yep. And, uh, yeah, there's information on the website. I know the website's a little bit out, out of date in terms of its appearance, but, um, you know, we may be getting a new one soon. It's been on the on the cards for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, there's information. You can download the sequences. Uh, you can actually uh, become a member on there. 
Um, there's there's two obviously forms of membership. There's non-financial and there's financial, and obviously there's a few benefits as to being a financial member of the ASAA. You get a discounted entry fee. Uh, I think it's about ten or fifteen dollars cheaper than uh, a non-financial member. Um, and obviously you'll, you'll be on on the mailing list um, for any comms or any, any events such as the nationals. Um, so yeah, uh, look, uh, I encourage anyone who's wanting to challenge themselves. Uh, in their flying and to build upon because look a lot of people uh, you know not everyone wants to be a podium flyer and what I mean by that someone who aspires to be at the top in the top three top five whatever it may be uh, not everyone aspires to be that but one thing that really I love about IMAC is I challenge myself and as long as I do better than I did last time or that I'm, I'm constantly improving and evolving then that's enough for me. And, and in this respect, the whole promotion point system, if I'm getting my promotion points, if I'm earning that, that 65% average, uh, I know I'm heading in the right direction, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, that, that's an important thing. So, so I don't want people to sort of feel like, oh, you've got to be competitive. To do. Not at all. Look, we have uh, members from all walks of life. Some are more or less competitive than the others. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're there for the camaraderie. They have a good time. We can have a bit of a giggle and laugh as what's gone uh, wrong <laughs> or, uh, you know, related to the flying or activities of the day. And, um, you know, look, a lot of guys will even bring like a, a foamy or something after the, the day's flying to have a fly at dusk uh, before we have dinner. And uh, uh, just on that too, actually, just to, to put a bit of a, a word out when when we do our, our IMAC events, they are a two day event typically, unless it's a, a state champs or a nationals. Uh, but um, we will include dinner on the Saturday night for the ent- entrance. Okay, Stevie, we've got the uh, the national champs are coming up. It's a three day event, isn't it? It it is yes, correct. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And people will be arriving uh, a couple of days earlier because obviously we've got interstate uh, competitors coming down. And uh, so, uh, yeah, they'll be able to get some uh, practicing. Obviously, uh, for the, the non event days, the field will be open to the membership of the club. Obviously, it's going to be shared uh, with those. But yeah, certainly um, three day event, and it's going to be full on. Look, the Nationals are, are a pretty busy event for the amount of numbers of, of you know, the pilots we need to get through and the classes plus freestyle on top of that uh, and as I, I mentioned we have our AGM uh, at the dinner on a Saturday night um, and, and there'll obviously be some shenanigans <laughs> thrown in there somewhere with flying there may also be some foamies flown and, and, and whatnot um, can I yeah, bring my foamy and come for a fly <laughs> not whilst the comp's on <laughs> as long as the day is flying well that's so. it I'm coming I'm going to turn up with my foamy and see if I can enter basic because you told me I could fly any model plane. I'm turning up and I'm not even going to enter. I'm just going to railroad it. I'll bring my, I'll bring my camera gear to, to film it. It'll go viral. <laughs> me disrupting an iMac event with a foamy. It'll be great to see you there, Andrew, regardless. I am, <laughs> I am planning to attend at some point in time. I will be attending the uh, national, the national just to say good day to everybody. So there's a lot of people there that I know and I, uh, I you know, so I will come and say good day. Well, I oh, I forgot to mention too, Andrew, if I may, this is actually going to be a very special nationals. And uh, forgive me, everyone uh, who, who's been ASA and members longer than I have. 
20th anniversary for the ASAA. Uh, it's a big milestone. That is correct. 20 years. Because when you think about it, it's really been about, it hasn't been much more than 20 years, I reckon, that IMAX has been around. Mm-hmm. And it's good because we've invited some, when I say founding members, to attend and be there. It'd be really good to have them there. Rick Gell, um, I'm just thinking, I think even Richo, we were trying to get him down. I don't know if he's coming, but it'll be good to have him down. Um, yeah, look, uh, there's been a, a lot of earlier um, pilots who were in the scene back in the day, and it would be good to see some of them come and, and show their face and, and check in and see where IMAC is at in 2023. Well, <laughs> that is true. Spectators allowed to come visit? MPI yeah, look, members? It, it, yeah, correct, exactly. Um, although it's not a public display, um, you know, we obviously it's a competition. Um, you know, we will have it set up as such so that, um, you know, public aren't allowed in, obviously, to the pit areas and, and wherever. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a massive event. Um, there's been a lot of planning. And, oh, look, I've been on committee. Uh, I've been in numerous meetings. A lot of planning has gone into this event. I, I'm hoping it, it's going to be a spectacular anniversary event. And, you know, I've even organised cakes would you believe uh, that's <laughs> anniversary? Yes. Can you please tell me what time the cakes will uh, appear? Um, because I will be attending the cake ceremony. Well, that will be um, for the, the Saturday night. Um, but yes, we will have cakes and uh, they'll be decorated. Um, I won't give too much away. But oh, uh, I'm going to invite myself. I've just invited myself to the event. Put, put it this way. Uh, there may or may not be a stick plane or two on the case. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, so let's just run through it. It's this coming weekend, the well, it's the 27th, 28th, and 29th of October Correct. is when this event is going to be running. Uh, so it's just on our doorstep uh, as this goes to air. So get on down. If you're in Victoria, you're an MAAA member, head on down, have a look and see what the shenanigans are going on down at the IMAC uh, competition at the P and Darks field. Everybody in Victoria knows what that field is because it's been around for a long time and an important club in the whole landscape here in Victoria as I whack my stuff on my desk. Uh, So, Stevie, well done to you and all the organising committee to get the event up and running and good luck to all the competitors. And if you're listening to this podcast after the event, well done to all the competitors, uh, especially to the winners and the, the podium finishes and um hopefully everybody enjoys the special cakes thank you andrew i'm looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to the weather hopefully we get some really good weather for the for the con about to leave already packing come with me i'm not really asking we'll get away to a place where we don't know another episode of the flat out rc podcast done and dusted and what an episode it has been because we were talking about one of my loves aerobatic flying and of course with the great guy stevie Malcolm, and i always enjoy having a chat with whether it be on the podcast or off the podcast scenes the field so a big thank you to Stevie for, for joining me and spending the time with me. Uh, good luck to all the competitors this weekend. Uh, if you're listening to this after uh, this weekend, well, um, jump onto the Scale Aeros website to see who won, maybe, or Facebook page, IMAC Australia or something like that. Uh, you'll find out who won. But, um, yeah, good luck to everybody. And if you can get on down there, get on down. And speaking of getting on down... 
plenty of events as I mentioned earlier. Rewind to the start and you'll see all the events that are coming up. Uh, stay tuned on Facebook is a great way. A lot of people spreading the message about their upcoming events. Have a look at your local state association websites, see if they're promoting events as well. But uh, let's get on down and support these events. I'm hoping to see if I can get to some that are coming up. I forgot to mention the Echuca Aerobatic Fun Flies coming up as well. I'll give that a plug uh, next week, but that's that's middle of middle of November, I think. So we'll, um, we'll give that a plug as well. So well done, everybody. Thanks for hanging in there. If you like this podcast, give us a thumbs up. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe to the Flat Out RC podcast. Uh, oh, well, off to the podcast course, YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook as well. Check out the YouTube channel. Some nice videos up there for you to keep you entertained. Talk to you soon. Keep on flying. Now we-